laws will have to be imposed, and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's you just blew my mind, Tim Foil Hat. Yes. And welcome to another Tim Foil Hat. I'm Sam Tripoli. Thank you for tuning in. Join me as always, XG and the place to be. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. We had a great time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So we're doing another episode. But before that, real quick. Hey, guys, if you're listening right now, I'm in Minnesota. If you guys uh, love the show and you're in the Minnesota app and you're in the Minneapolis area, go to Minneapolis, go to the Mall America, come see my shows. I promise you that we're going to get weird, homeboy. It's going to get real weird. It's a great time to be in Minnesota when snow, 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 and everybody comes up going, hey, we just came to see a comedian, then I'm doing everything, and they're like, why'd the mean man say mean things? So come enjoy that. I'm bringing some uh, uh, lizard people everywhere t-shirts with me, okay? And then the following uh, weekend which is the last weekend in January, first weekend of February. I am in Edmonton, Canada. That's where I met the comic strip. Come get weird. Come get weird. And, uh, and join me, dude. And then I also uh, check out our t-shirts, man. I got a lot of t-shirts coming. Hopefully the Lizard People t-shirt will be up by the time you hear this. And then we also have the Patreon. Go check out the Patreon. So the, yeah, go if you want t-shirts, just go to tinfoilhatpodcast.com. Okay, you go up to shop. It'll bring you, bam, right to the t-shirts. We got a Wu-Tang. We got everything there for you. Uh, check it out. It's fun. You, all the dates are going to be up on the, the Patreon. You can just get into it. I mean, on the website. That's there. And then check out the Patreon and put new content on there all the time. All right? Is, did I miss anything? Hey, tell them not to forget the fucking uh, the special. You got two oh, yeah. of them out yeah, yeah, on Vimeo. Yeah. Come on. Go check the special. I'm telling you, bro. It's people have loved it. The people have spoken. Voted top five special of the year by my mother. Go. It's Zero Fox, Armageddon, and it's on uh, Vimeo. You just go to Vimeo.com. Put in Sam Tripoli, comedy specials, Zero Fox. One's uh, 35 minutes, one's 42 minutes. It is love. It is crush fest. The children love it. Go check it out. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's out there to the world. Man, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, I wanted to do an episode on this next subject with our next guest. I feel like Bitcoin is still this mysterious thing that not everybody uh, knows about or understands it. I know I haven't. I've been very hesitant to jump into the whole market. So I decided to bring in a, a, a heavy hitter in the industry who knows all about Bitcoin. He's going to tell us about this conference he has coming up. Please welcome Tone Vase, everybody. How are you, Tone Vase, everybody? How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, like you said, I just got to Vegas for this conference this weekend. But I got to say, man, is Minnesota not cold enough for you, man? You got to go to Edmonton after? Well, dude, listen, man. When, when, as a comedian, you want to play the cold areas in the cold, cold time in the winter because during the summer, they don't want to go in comedy clubs and you're doing half-assed empty rooms. So you want to go there early because that's when they want to go inside. I've done that place in like the middle of the summer. It's just an empty mall, dude. You know? So Yeah, also... Well, also probably half the jokes have to do with how cold it is up there. It's not as fun in the summer. It's Yeah, it's I, that's definitely a hard point. You can't do like, oh, what do you guys live here for? It's amazing people live there. It's like, you know, you're not slaves. You can't move. You don't have to live. <laughs> and they and it's always like, oh, my job. They swear like they're making so much fucking money. I'm like, dude, you're driving a Honda Civic. You're yeah. out here in the cold for a Honda Civic. I'm thank God they live there because there'd be too many people in L.A. I really do believe that's why they're jacking the price on everything because – I mean, like, dude, why doesn't everybody live in San Diego? Well, that's what? why they did that whole um, where, where you're, the owner of the building can put the price up on the apartment wherever he wants because they're trying to just make it. You got to be a baller to well, live out here. They're greedy, dude. It's all going to fall true. out, too. I mean, like, I, I, we'll get into Bitcoin real quick, but 
Uh, people hate when I bring it up, but dude, we voted down rent control. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Who's voting on it? The Chinese that buy all the buildings? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Bitcoin. Are you in the Bitcoin at all? Uh, I thought about it, but I, bar- I, I barely got money. I ain't going to put my money on something that was, you know, fluctuates you know up and down. You know what's money's going to be in? Mexican Bitcoin. Ooh, I... I wonder how many pesos you need to buy one Bitcoin. You know what that Bitcoin would be? Mexican Bitcoin would be all the uh, coins that Super Mario grabs. That's Those are Mexican Bitcoins. <laughs> so, Tone, how did you get into Bitcoin real quick? How did you get into this whole world? Yeah, so I was, um, I was working on Wall Street. Um, I think I was already done with JP Morgan. I moved on to another company. Uh, I started on Wall Street at Bear Stearns. And when that company collapsed, I, I did hang around. That was my first job. I was only at the job for like a year. But uh, Bitcoin came on my radar in early 2011 when uh, WikiLeaks, I'm sure you remember uh, the whole WikiLeaks incident when they got cut off from MasterCard, Visa, like they had no funding when the government tried to take down WikiLeaks. And uh, so Bitcoin kind of saved them because they started taking donations in Bitcoin. It was the only payment method the government couldn't stop for their funding. That's when it came on my radar. Now, I didn't actually get around to buying any Bitcoin until 2013 when there was an incident in Cyprus when their banks just kind of got shut down and the government decided to tax everyone that had over 100,000 euros. They just taxed that 50%. So if you had $200,000 in the bank, uh, the government just took 50 grand. Oh, my And um, Yep. So you bought it. And that's when... Say again? Go on, go on. So you, you bought it under 200 bucks, right? When you were like... Um, it was around that time. My, my first purchase was each one was around 200. I mean, I didn't buy a, a lot. I, I just wanted to check out how it works. And uh, because I heard of Bitcoin before that as, hey, it's a way to pay people without any government interference, without anyone getting in your way. And then with the whole Cyprus thing, I realized, hey, Bitcoin is the only money you can like save that can't be confiscated. And again, that's why I named my conference Unconfiscatable. It's not a real word, so I was able to grab the domain Look like six months you, ago. Look at you, dude. I love that. I love that, so, man. It's unbelievable, yeah. dude. 50 grand. I mean, 50%. When you hear this shit, listen, yep. dude, I'm open-minded to anybody new going to Washington, D.C. and mixing it up. But this new chick, I mean, people are saying she's saying crazy shit. The one is 70% tax. On shit, get the fuck yeah. out of here. And I'm a bleeding heart liberal. It's ridiculous, <laughs> man. It's not about more taxes. Taxes theft, man. Yeah. Taxes theft. Okay? The IRS is not a part of the US government, everybody. It is a private sector. It's under the Treasury Department. The Treasury Department is part of the Federal Reserve, and the Federal Reserve is a private company ran by the UN and the WBO. You pay your taxes to a private entity. Taxation is theft. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And uh, my view is, hey, you want to pay you know, the least amount of taxes you can legally get away with. And uh, obviously, the richer you are, the more access you have to you know, all of these workarounds. But, um, yeah, so taxes get out of control, and that's why people move to different places. I've been a New York resident my whole life, and now that my job requires me to travel outside the country 10 months a year, that's kind of what I do. I travel and speak, and I do YouTube videos, and all my income is, on, is online. Why am I a New York resident? So this year, I'm actually switching. I'm not going to be a New York resident anymore. I'm changing my residency, uh, moving to another state. That's where I'll, uh, I, I can be in a different state two months a year. It's not the end of the world. And uh, this way, I can at least avoid a New York City and New York State taxes. Uh, but the unconfiscatable angle is different. That one is more, uh, you know, you guys do these kinds of shows. And uh, you, you always heard fears, oh, the government's going to go after people's 401ks. They're going to force them into government bonds. And uh, anytime your money is in the bank, it's always at risk of compensation. Like the next time there could be a bail-in. There's already, you know, war- wording uh, in, the, in, the, in all of these bank statements. Uh, the last time the government printed a bunch of money to bail out the banks. Next time they can just confiscate the money from the accounts that have more money in it. 
And that's the part that really bothers me. We're not talking about money earned illegally. We're just talking about, hey, you worked, you paid your taxes on this money, you have it in the bank, you have a lot of money, and then somebody gets elected or something in the fine print of your bank statement that says, hey, they can legally just confiscate it. And Bitcoin takes you out of that. If you properly hold your Bitcoin, yeah, there is a chance you, you might get hacked if you're not careful. Uh, there's a chance you might forget your password and you can't access that Bitcoin. But if you are careful and you properly protect your Bitcoin, it's the only asset humans have ever owned in our history that is unconfiscatable by a third party with a bigger gun. And the majority of the people just have not yet comprehended that or even aware that this is one of its properties. What is now let's start dude that's a great I love all that dude. I love all that. And we'll get into some of the questions I have about the applications of all this. So somebody's new listening to this. What is a bitcoin? What is this thing? Sure. So uh bitcoin came about by solving this problem in computers. I mean, all of us have been using the internet, sending emails, sending, you know, messages, you know, sending dick pics, you know, everyone's been doing that forever. <laughs> forever. And <laughs> yeah, as, as long as you could. And, um, and the difference is prior to Bitcoin, this is that genius problem that Satoshi was able to solve. Prior to Bitcoin, you could not send digital data and lose possession of that data. Uh, that's probably the simplest way I can explain what Bitcoin is. Like you used to, hey, if you gotta pay someone with you know, dollar bills, you hand them the dollar bills, uh, they walk away and that's it. You lose the dollar, dollar bills by handing it to them. But anytime you send a digital message, a text message, a picture, a, uh, you know, a Word document, yep. anything, yep. you don't actually lose possession of that digital data. It's not only are you only sending a copy, that copy gets transferred by a bunch of middlemen. And this was a computer science problem that no one could solve. Hey, how do you send a digital message and you actually lose possession of that digital data? And Bitcoin allows you to send that digital data. Now, because it's so valuable, and the concept was built in a way to make the amount of digital data finite, the digital data itself kind of became de facto money. And the creator of it wanted this data to become money. Uh, so by only creating 21 million Bitcoins, even though every Bitcoin is infinitely divisible, just because one Bitcoin is worth $3,000 doesn't mean you have to own a Bitcoin. I can go and buy, you know, that Starbucks, uh, you know, cup of coffee I see on your desk and I can pay them, you know, 0 0.0001 Bitcoin or whatever $3 worth of Bitcoin corresponds to. So you have the ability to make these small purchases, but there will only be 21 million Bitcoins. So the amount of this digital data is scarce. And the genius of the solution was building this decentralized system where computers are burning electricity to you know, guess a very large number. We call it guessing a math problem, like trying to answer a math problem. But the math problem is just guessing a very large number. Whoever guesses the number first processes a bunch of transactions and keeps those transaction fees and gets rewarded with brand new minted Bitcoin. But the amount of new branded, uh, new minted Bitcoin uh, gets smaller and smaller and smaller to where like 85% of all the Bitcoin that will ever exist are already in circulation with a good, you know, 10, 15% of them permanently lost because in the early days they were worthless. People didn't believe it would work. It didn't have any value. It didn't prove itself yet. And a lot of people didn't take it seriously and they threw away those hard drives oh and my because God. there's no middleman, it's gone. Now, well, isn't there have... a story of a guy who lost like a hundred million dollars in Bitcoin or something? Cause somebody threw out his laptop and like no one could get into that. You're now. telling me I should go to Goodwill and buy all the fucking old ass desktop. And That'd be so see funny. If I fucking find it. Yeah. There? But even if he did, you didn't have the password oh, to get yeah. into it. Yeah, you're right. I so, forgot. So you said some, you said a lot of amazing things. Yeah, that was good. So one thing you said is that, there's an actual race 
between these people who are trying to create this Bitcoin and whoever, and they're, they're doing it by trying to solve an equation. Is that what yeah. they're, they're doing? They're, they're called far. It's mining. Far, mining. It's called mining. It's called, they're miners. And these miners are solving a, a riddle. Like what, what, what's the equation? Well, uh, the equation, that's the thing. I never really looked into it because I never mind. I, I already came in a little too late. You're basically um, guessing a very large number. And when you guess the right number, uh, you then uh, broadcast it to the entire world. It takes about a second or two for other miners to verify that you got the right answer. And then uh, you start looking for the next number. Now, it was created as a way, it's like a fair lottery it's like no one knows what the answer is until you find it. And, and who determines um, the answer? Who determines if you got the right one? What's an algorithm? Well, no, no, it's, um, it, it, it's the computer algorithm that he created. And it's not even that. You're actually just guessing a number that is smaller than a, uh, a number that gets randomly generated. And you don't know what that is. So you just got to like keep guessing. I think it's smaller or bigger. So it's uh, like when but, someone goes, hey, uh, pick a number one through ten. And you have five people going. And whoever but, gets the closest to it gets gets the Bitcoin. But it's computers it's, that it's, are doing that, right? Aren't computers right, the ones? It's something, it's something like that. But we're talking about gigantic numbers. And at this point, you're literally, you would have to buy like a $1,000 uh, computer and its only job is to guess that number. So it's basically a box that looks like this Jesus. with a chip and a giant fan because this thing generates ridiculous amount of heat and burns crazy electricity. And the only job this thing has is uh, trying to guess the right number. It guesses like, I don't know, billions, if not a trillion numbers a second. What? And then it takes about – it takes – on average, about 10 minutes to find the right answer yes. uh, across, oh the whole, across the whole world. If you had one of these machines uh, and you were the only oh, one wow. mining with one of these machines, it might take you like 100 years to find that answer if what? you're lucky. There's but, this... uh, there... Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Go on. Finish what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. But that, that, that's about it. Um, I've never actually done it. I have like one miner running just for fun, uh, just to see how it works. Uh, but it's just mines. You just... Uh, uh, you just add it to the network. Was it just all, like 45, 34, 85, 100,000, 200,000, 267? And it just starts yelling shit. And it's just like, nope, nope. It's like some weird kind of like reverse, like auctioneer. You know, auctioneer's like five, 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 four, 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 five. Instead, it's the other people <laughs> yelling at the auctioneer. Well, you got to look at these yeah. computers. Check them out. They're, they're like, um, they're, they're huge. Can we get are these giant? Yeah, look, that's what. That's a computer that mining. That's that's not a computer. That's a roommate. Well, oh, those are those are old pictures. That's what that's like what it one. was like back in like 2012. Okay. Oh, back uh, in Google, the old like, day. Mining. They, they are there. That's that what one. it looks that's like how it nowadays. Looks like. Oh my God! That's, what is this? The Matrix? Yeah, that's what you <laughs> need to mine. For you at listening who are listening, it's just like a, a just a, a looks like almost like a warehouse. Full of computers, and that's just one computer, or is that multiple? No, 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 that, no, no, no. You, you, you mind? Like, if you're gonna compete in actually like doing this stuff, you need like tens of thousands of these computers. Oh my god! Just to get one Bitcoin. Imagine if you just had that magic computer that just kept hitting it. That'd be like having like a, the horse that wins every race, like, like a Vegas. Like, yeah, just hitting the jackpot. Yeah, you're just like, dude, I'm just nailing it, right? Holy cow, that's crazy. You have all these guys just – it's such a crazy ass. Well, well, that's the thing. Like the, the amount of electricity around the world that's being burned to find you know, the next block. So if you find every 10 minutes um, a block is found, that's what we call them, blocks. So, uh, and whoever finds the block right now is getting 12.5 Bitcoin. Every, so 12.5 Bitcoin get created to somebody – approximately every 10 minutes even though the time is random it's approximately every 10 minutes and the more computer power goes to the network the harder it is to get the answer so it's kind of like taking the sat again or like the like hey you got an answer right well here comes the next one is going to be harder so every every time if if the answers are being found too quickly the it becomes harder to find it if all of a sudden 
you know, people start taking computers off the network, which is happening right now because the price of Bitcoin is going down and some of these operations are no longer profitable, so they're turning them off. So now, so when there's less computer power going in, then the solutions start to become a little bit easier so that on average, it's always about 10 minutes uh, to find the next block. And right now that block gets brand new 12 and a half Bitcoin. And uh, there's lots of competition. The amount of electricity around the world that's being used for Bitcoin mining is probably the size of a small country. Uh, there's probably, uh, I think it's like ranked number a country like 120 or something. Like it's moving up. Wow. Like there'll come a point where Bitcoin mining is like using up more electricity than like maybe even the U.S. one day. Wow. Uh, when you said all this electricity, all I would think about is my dad going, you know, Sam, if I could only get the electric bill for the Vegas Strip for one day, we'd be set for the rest of our life. That's, I, I can see my dad. If I could just get the energy, electricity, spam, Bitcoin for one day, Sam, I could live for the rest of my life. Now, this sounds insane, like the fact that the amount of electricity used uh, determines how easy the number is to get. So the guy who invented Bitcoin is who? Well, nobody knows. Uh, it could be a person. It could be a group of people. Uh, there's debate on both sides. No one knows who it is. Uh, the alias name is Satoshi Nakamoto. That was the online name. And uh, that's the person that released the original paper. Nope, definitely not that guy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, he's so getting sued. I've, I've, I've met him, actually. So there was a horrible uh, a Newsweek put out this article where some investigative reporter spent like, you know, I, I mean, I want to say spent about three hours trying to find Satoshi Nakamoto, but apparently she did some kind of research and she came up with some Japanese guy that barely spoke English <laughs> and somehow because his name was Nakamoto and he had absolutely nothing to do with this. And it was like the big joke of 2013 or 2014 when the article was published. I've actually met the guy. I think it's like one of the only selfies I've ever asked to take with somebody <laughs> was, was him because it, it's just like the craziest uh, idea ever that that's the guy that invented ho, Bitcoin. Ho, ho, I mean, ho, he ho. Didn't, didn't know anything about it. So, oh, you took a picture of the guy you just showed? Yeah, yeah, that was like oh, the that's only a... time because I don't, I, I'm not really starstruck. Like I've never, I've never asked, hey, can I do a selfie with you? That was the only one in my life that I've asked to do a selfie with that guy because he was like outed as like the Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin, but he wasn't. And it was, you think it's, 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 uh, it was crazy. Do you think he's gotten any ass from everybody think he is the guy? <laughs> right? Some Man, if strippers took Bitcoin, this dude would be set for life, bro. Just paid and laid, dude. I, I wonder if there are strippers accepting Bitcoin in Vegas or somewhere. I'm surprised um, they aren't. There are. Strippers <laughs> are taking Bitcoin? God damn yeah. these girls, they get it, dude. They get anything, dude. They They're, get it, dude. They're owning Instagram. Boom. They made <laughs> they made twerking into an international sport. And now they're <laughs> taking Bitcoin, dude. That's crazy. That's you just slide the card right in their cheeks. Boom. That's how they sell the Bitcoin. So so he and so they don't know who it is, but why did they create Bitcoin? What was the whole reason behind creating Bitcoin? Well, there, there were several things from what we gather uh, by reading the, the paper. So uh, the person that created it really did want to create uh, money that isn't of the control of any government. Uh, and it's also, it's also a technological uh, solution. Like I said earlier, it's, uh, it's a problem that some of the best computer scientists had no idea how to solve. How do you, you know, send digital data from one end of the world to another and lose possession of that data. So the proof of concept was, uh, was amazing, like this idea that someone was able to solve the problem. And the only way to solve this problem happens to be by burning electricity because that's the only way you can prove that you're actually sending this data and you can't get it back. But the person that created it, he was big on economics and he didn't like the current financial system. And there are two problems with the current financial system. One is that uh, the government is in, is in the middle of all of our transactions. They decide what transactions we can and can't make. Uh, the problem of the, your money always being confiscatable, and uh, that's a problem for, let's say, if the government accuses you of a crime, 
they can confiscate all your money and now you can't afford a lawyer. I'm sure you've heard of these stories all the time. Oh, yeah, of And uh, the government makes it very, very difficult. And the funny story to that is I was on a – last time I was here in Vegas was back in August. I was actually speaking on a panel with Steve Wozniak and Molly Bloom. Do you guys know who Molly Bloom is? Do you guys see the movie Molly's Game? I uh, – no. Did you see Molly's no, Game? No, I haven't seen Molly's Game. Aaron, you watch a lot of movies. Do you see – he did not. No, what is Molly's Game? Oh, wow. It's actually a great movie. She was like, she, she, her nickname was the Poker Prince. Oh, yes, I have seen that movie. I did see that movie where she ran high stakes poker and everybody thinks right. to, the asshole and it was Toby Keith, right? Or not Toby Keith, Toby McGuire. McGuire, yeah, 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 yeah. She was on that panel? Yeah, so she was on a panel with me and Steve Wozniak and she was talking about how. When she got arrested, she had about $4 million of legal money that she had paid taxes on, and it was confiscated from her, and that's why she couldn't get a lawyer. Again, if you saw the movie, like she couldn't afford a lawyer because she didn't have any money. They confiscated her legally earned money. And on that panel, I mentioned, you know, Molly, if only Bitcoin was like around back then, or it might have been around, I don't remember what year it happened. You know, if you would have put like one or two million dollars into Bitcoin, they could not have gotten it. They could not have seized it. They could not have confiscated. So um, these are the advantages that Bitcoin offers you. Also, like the WikiLeaks case. And I know you guys heard of like Silk Road and people yeah. being able to buy their drugs online. Yeah. So the government can't stop these transactions. Uh, that's another use case for Bitcoin. But that's the... Uh, that's the use case for sending money that no one can stop, no one can seize, no one can confiscate. But there's a whole other aspect to money, and that's the inflation side of money. I mean, the government can print as many U.S. dollars as they like, and every single government does. Uh, we used to have money backed by gold, but we no longer do. Now, economists can debate you know, uh, all day long whether we should or should not have the ability to print money, but this is another alternative because all of our money around the world, no matter what currency you use, the government of that country can print as much of it as they like. This is another alternative because you can't just print Bitcoin. And uh, like I said, 85% of all Bitcoin is already in existence and all of that mining is searching for that final 15% of Bitcoin. And every four years, the amount of new Bitcoin that shows up gets cut in half. So we got about maybe 20 more years uh, before that 10-minute reward becomes pretty small. And after that, hopefully everyone is using Bitcoin around the world. And when you use Bitcoin, you pay a little transaction fee, a couple of cents. But, you know, millions of transactions uh, over 10-minute span they add up. So even if you find that 10-minute block 20 years from now, those transaction fees uh, should be enough to keep the incentive going for people to continue to burn electricity and find, uh, and find these blocks and process transactions. And there'll be people like myself that really believe in this stuff and believe it's a better form of money around the world free of government interference. And um, I'll continue to mine and waste electricity and spend electricity because having money independent of government is more important to me than paying, you know, an extra $50, $60 a month on an election bill. Okay, so I have, a, I have all these questions I want to ask you. Uh, real quick, there is, there's what, 21 million? 21 million is the limit. There's 21 million Bitcoin. There's 7, bi 7 billion people. How is that mm -hmm. going to work? Well, again, each Bitcoin is oh, divisible up to 100,000, right? So you can hold a one, one, sorry, up to 100 million. So you can hold one 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. So you can also multiply 21 million by 100 million, and that's how many units you have. So you can still own a fraction of it. Oh. And um, when the value of a Bitcoin is big enough, uh, then we people can start using the word bits, and bits is like uh, one uh, ten. I think it's uh, you you take a zero off. So it, it, I mean, like that's the thing. You can use it. Um, everyone wants to own one Bitcoin, but obviously, no more than 21 million people can own an entire Bitcoin. 
but you don't have to own an entire Bitcoin. It's just the amount of Bitcoin in your phone based on it depends on how much it'll buy you. So even if a Bitcoin is worth one million dollars, I'll still be able to pay in Bitcoin for that, you know, cup of coffee or that cell phone or that computer. That's so interesting. But it's only worth three thousand five hundred and forty right, right now, now. Right, right now. So technically, it'd be like we would all have to give into it to make it worth one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. No, I mean, like you basically would break it down. So if I mean, if you did a hundred, is a hundred million? Yeah, I mean that's like what a couple pennies at this point, but yeah. who knows where it's growing? The point is, if everybody's using it, yeah, but then that's when it would be worth that much if yeah, everyone uses right? it, right? Okay, for sure. That's so interesting. Why? Well, and the, okay, go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's the next question. I, why, no, I was gonna say. Why the hey, limit, dude? Why the if limit? One of you guys, if one of you guys wants to like download a Bitcoin wallet on your cell phone, like like while we're talking, you can just put. Uh, put your phone up to the camera and I can send you, you know, like five, ten dollars worth of Bitcoin. Now I'm going to buy some Bitcoin. You got me into this. I, I, I have my reservations. I'll talk about that towards the end. But I am very interested. I just want to see what this is about. You know, I think it's interesting. But why cap it at twenty one million? Uh, I get that because, you know, limited money and stuff like that. But. But why cap it? What? Like, if you're making it so hard to make it, why limit the amount of it? Is that what, so it has value? Right. So there's, um, again, I don't really know why he chose to cap it and why he chose to cap it at 21 million. Now, the number at where he capped it, that didn't matter. It could have been 100 million. It could have been any number. That, That part didn't really matter. Now, the idea to cap it is because I guess he was a believer in the old gold standard. And also by having a cap, um, I guess he felt that it would give it more value. It would be more like a collector's item and it would help it grow. Because if Bitcoin doesn't continue to go up in price, it's not really valuable. Like one of the draws of Bitcoin is that if you hold it for a long enough period of time, it will go up in value. And I still believe that. I know we have fallen from 20,000 down to just over 3,000, but that's because it also went from a few hundred dollars up to $20,000 in two years. So as a trader, hey, when you overshoot to the upside, no different than, you know, the NASDAQ bubble did back in 2000. Doesn't mean the internet was stupid. It just means that people overbid on, you know, how much it's worth to create a website without any customers, right? But over time, because of its finite nature, it should uh, give it additional value uh, of going up. Also, he might have felt that, hey, if I don't cap it, then someone could actually clone it and cap it, and then uh, Bitcoin can lose to a competitor, which is something I don't expect. So to me personally, I'm not sure you guys have heard of other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, yeah. And to me, everything other than Bitcoin is somewhere between totally useless and an outright scam. I just don't, uh, and, uh, and lots of people don't like me in my own space because of that. Everyone just wants to print their own cryptocurrency and get rich. And a lot of them don't understand that one of the reasons why Bitcoin is so popular is because you can't replicate it. And that 21 million Bitcoin gives it something extra to have it appreciate in value over time, because as more and more people get into the system, they can still use the system. In fact, using Bitcoin today is 100 times easier than using Bitcoin three or four years ago, but it's also worth a lot more. So uh, this way, you, uh, someone, it's an incentive to always get into it and hang in there because as more people come onto the system, the value of each Bitcoin goes up. So no matter how much Bitcoin you have, it's uh, anticipated that it should go up in value as long as more and more people find it useful. And I think that the three properties I described, unconfiscatable, censorship-resistant value transfer, and the fact that it's a currency that is uh, like no government can actually uh, print it or uh, control the currency supply. I think these values are very, very useful. And as once a person discovers them and finds them useful, they're, they're not going to go back. It's like once you discover the Internet and you find it useful, you're not going back. 
Right, right. So the big allure is it's uh, decentralized, right? Is that that is it? And what does that mean? And why is that important to this? Sure. So decentralized, or another word for it, we like to use is trustless. It's it's, it's funny. What gives what what makes bit, uh, people trust Bitcoin is the fact you don't have to trust any single entity. And um, decentralized means there's no single point of failure. There's really no office to call. There's no office to show up in. Uh, Bitcoin has this system of checks and balances. So I, I can uh, slowly uh, walk through the checks and balances. So yes. you have um, a bunch of programmers known as core developers. Uh, it's people, anyone can participate. It's not a company. The code is open to everyone. And um, anyone can c- contribute suggestions or changes to the code. And then you have you know, four or five people that have been working on it for a long time, they have kind of have the final say uh, on which code changes get in uh, to the system. But they have to make those code changes very carefully because here are the checks and balances. You have the miners that are spending money and using that electricity to process the transactions. So they have to agree to the code changes that the developers are putting in to Bitcoin because you don't have to upgrade. Like you can still use, you know, your old version of Windows, even though uh, Microsoft still has control of that. So this is not the best example. So no one has to agree to using the latest changes of the developers. So the developers need to be careful and add changes that everyone is going to want. Uh, Now, the miners- Uh, I I get what you're saying right there. It's kind of like your Apple phone, right? I mean- they just change shit on there, and you don't really have a say. Like when they went from the, uh, the 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 round hole to for your headphones to whatever this is, that's just awful, and you have no say in that. But if you want an iPhone, you gotta go with it. Oh, pretty much. I'm yeah. liking it. I'm liking it. I totally <laughs> agree with it, dude. I totally agree with yeah, it. Yeah, and that's that's actually one of the big differences between Android and Apple, uh, which we can discuss in a second. So, so the checks and balances are the core developers, uh, you know, they put out uh, code updates. Now the miners have to agree to using those code changes, but it's not only the miners. Uh, people that aren't mining, uh, like me, myself, uh, this is a little more advanced, a little probably more advanced than the average user. But there is enough advanced users, probably hundred over 100,000 of these users around the world, where I have to accept the Bitcoin that the miner is mining. And we had an incident in 2017 where the developers were making this very advanced code change because they thought everybody wanted it. But these miners and the big companies, turns out, didn't actually want it. But like two years of development was spent on uh, a major upgrade to Bitcoin that was necessary. But the big mining companies that are mining Bitcoin, they didn't want it because they, they, because they found it to be a little uh, too unfair for them, but it was definitely more fair for the users. So users like myself, you know, we said, you know what, the miners have to do what we say. So the majority of the people that are using Bitcoin, there's this concept of running your own node where sure you can trust um um your cell phone to do it for you or you can do it yourself so you can actually process your own bitcoin transactions and this is probably the biggest check and balance that if the majority of the users of bitcoin decide that they want something or don't want something um they can kind of force the issue so and these checks and balances are keeping it totally decentralized like I can choose what Bitcoin is. Now, if I'm the only one, it's not going to be very useful to me because no one will be able to send it to me. But if the majority of the users and the, the majority of the influential users that have been on the side of privacy and on the side of government censorship resistant money, if all of these users say, hey, we are not going to update our nodes or we are going to update our nodes to this, and these are the Bitcoin transactions that we are going to accept. They have to follow a certain code rule set. Then that's what Bitcoin is. And whatever the majority says Bitcoin is, that's what Bitcoin is. So and, is there um, a vote? Is yeah. there a vote? 
Where's their vote? And, and then is there an announcement of what the vote is? No, there isn't because it's just basically people are just, I mean, you know around the world what, um, what software you're running. Like for example, let's say Apple allowed you to run the old software. So people know that, hey, uh, you did not upgrade to the latest Apple's changes. And if enough people don't upgrade to the latest Apple's changes, then you are all communicating on, let's say, Apple version 0.7, version 7, when everyone else is using Apple version 8, like the code. And they could be completely separate. And this is how you have these other Bitcoins show up. Now, the concept is you really want to make these code changes without forcing everyone to upgrade the code. And this is where it starts to become tricky, and this is where... Uh, people try to like take over Bitcoin by convincing everyone they have to upgrade to their version. And that's how you have these Bitcoin Cash and some of these other versions of Bitcoin that are scamming people, trying to convince them that they're the real Bitcoin. Meanwhile, their their version of Bitcoin is worth like 3%. So their version of Bitcoin is worth $300 and the real one is $3,000. So you have to, it, it's pretty you much play the game sense a little bit. Bitcoin you gotta- is. Yeah, you got to go with the flow. You got to stay with the pack or else you get left behind (laughs) for sure, dude. Oh, that's so interesting, dude. Can Bitcoin get shut down? That's one of my biggest worries, man, is I buy all this Bitcoin and then like something happens to the Internet. And I'm like, well, that's happened to this. uh, I think it was a Chinese company. They stole all the money from this company. Was it Mount? What was it? Do you remember? Mount Mount Gox. Yeah. Yeah. Mount Gox. Yeah, so basically, your Bitcoin could be hacked from you. Uh, your Bitcoin could be stolen if you're not careful. I mean, Bitcoin is nothing more than, than dollar bills in your wallet. Uh, someone, if, if they, uh, I mean, it, it could be stolen uh, if you're not careful with it. Uh, but uh, what happens is, like, can Bitcoin, the system, be shut down? I don't believe so, but... Uh, can the government do stuff that can compete with Bitcoin? Well, yes, they can give you more control of your money and not print so much. But we don't expect that, right? I mean, the government that's wants to eliminate happen, cash. Right, yeah, that's they're trying really hard to do that. Eliminate cash. Right. The Fed will never stop printing money. That's their, their magic trick. You know, keep raising interest rates, all that stuff. It's just, it's all magical bullshit. Right. Right. And they want to and they want to eliminate cash because they think we're all like tax evaders and we're all using cash for illegal activity. And um, if the government eliminates cash, that's awesome for Bitcoin, right? Because then people will use Bitcoin in place of that physical cash. So that's probably one of the greatest things that the government can do. And these money laundering laws, I think they're completely immoral. Like uh, money, the concept of money laundering laws, like your money could be doing something criminal and they confiscate it from you. So these are the kinds of things that the government, as long as the government keeps pushing them, uh, they're pushing people into Bitcoin because they, no one can like, you know, do that to Bitcoin. Now, the only other decentralized aspect that I can uh, say that's similar to Bitcoin is was BitTorrent. So I don't know if you guys remember, you know, the, the days of Napster and yeah, Kaza yeah, yeah, and LimeWire, yeah. right? And those were all centralized and they were creating huge problems. Now, BitTorrent was able to bring some decentralization into the file sharing realm where, you know, you're downloading pieces of files from people's computers all around the world and the government couldn't stop it. And BitTorrent was responsible for like 60-70% of all global bandwidth. But right now, uh, BitTorrent is still there. It's still decentralized file sharing. But it's not as used anymore because, you know, the companies have caught on. It's, uh, it's very easy to, you know, play any song you like at a cheap cost. It's pretty easy to play any movie you like at a cheap cost. So, it's become a lot cheaper and easier yeah. uh, for you not to have to use this decentralized system because even BitTorrent was inefficient. You can download a virus. Um, sometimes it takes forever. The really interesting stuff, you know, like one or two people are sharing it and uh, the bandwidth is slow. So decentralization is a tool that is necessary at some point until it changes the system. Like, do you guys really think that 
we would have things like Pandora and some of the other easy ways and cheap ways of listening to music if it wasn't for BitTorrent? Possibly not. So uh, can Bit, uh, I mean, if Bitcoin achieves uh, changing the government's mind, changing the system a little bit, even that's a good thing. But I do believe Bitcoin is here to stay. And in the future, like in 20, 30 years, we're going to laugh that we let a bunch of people in suits sit around in a boardroom, decide how much money needs to be in the world, as opposed to uh, people using a decentralized system like Bitcoin. And you also mentioned taxes. And I, I, my biggest pro, I have two big problems with taxes that Bitcoin can easily fix. One of them is once we pay our taxes, we, have, we don't really have no idea where the money's going, right? So every single Bitcoin transaction is publicly available in a public ledger. You just ah. don't know who is spending it. So in order for there to be a guarantee that 21 million Bitcoin is in circulation, for example, that node that I run at home, it, it has every single Bitcoin transaction that has ever existed since the first day 10 years ago when the first Bitcoin transaction was generated. You can download every one of them. And that node is actually checking that all the transactions are there. If, there, if the electricity goes out, all you need, once the electricity comes back, all you need is two or three of these nodes to kind of, hey, do we all have the same data? And if we do... Are they talking boom, to every, each other, dude? Are the nodes yeah. talking? Ooh, that's creepy. Well, they're not... Not 100,000 nodes aren't talking to each other, but you're connected to six or seven randomly. So everyone is connected to like... like it's like the six degrees of separation. So you're connected to like six or seven other nodes around the world globally, and there's about 100,000 of these. So worst case scenario, as long as two or three people are left and on different sides of the world, unless they're going to collude, uh, you have the history of every single Bitcoin transaction. And that's why your data, that's why you can't get that data back that you sent a year ago. And one of the goals is to keep the system with as many nodes as possible. And uh, every 10 minutes, one megabyte in size gets added to the whole system. So right now, um, I, I don't remember, but it's like, so, so it's one megabyte every 10 minutes. This is also why you can't have too much data because if there's too much data, then it will be hard to create new nodes and then the system will slowly become less decentralized. So a lot of these scaling solutions, so you can spend three cents at a time, four cents at a time, uh, these, they have to be done like as a second layer and then they, um, and, and, and then they settle uh, to the main layer to keep the amount, the size of that file you know, growing at a reasonable size. But the future implications, let me just uh, let me just throw a few more things at you as, as I was talking about taxes. So my biggest thing with taxes is, hey, uh, one day I'm hoping that the government does run those taxes through the Bitcoin ledger. So a first year computer science student can go and edit, uh, can go and audit, you know, where the hell did the government spend this money on? Right, right, and it's right. all there public in the Bitcoin blockchain. My other problem with the whole tax system, and you don't need Bitcoin for that, how come we can allocate you know, the money in a 401k where we want the money to, uh, to be invested in, but with today's computer technology, if the government is forcing me to pay them $20,000 in taxes, why can't I sit down at my computer and decide how I want the government to spend that money? That'd be like wonderful. Some people may want to put it to war, but some people may want to put it to roads, right? No, that'd like, be Why can't great. I decide where my tax money goes? That'd be great. Can the, can the government, can the government, how, will the government know how much Bitcoin you have? Um, no. And right now, the system is not as private as it could be. But there is lots of code changes that are coming in over the next couple of years that are going to give you very good anonymity. Now, if you allow a third party to hold your Bitcoin for you, then yes, the government knows exactly what, how much you have because someone else is holding it for you. If you don't want to be responsible for being your own bank by holding your own Bitcoin and you let a third party do it, 
then yes, then they know. Now, I have never done that with my Bitcoin. I've never let a third party hold my Bitcoin. I've always held on to it That's myself. That's so funny. And um, I always made sure that I've never used Bitcoin in connection with any you know, government things uh, to make sure that they don't know how much I have and that's kind of my safety net. But in the future, we'll see how it goes. There will be better privacy tools. Uh, but right now, I don't trust the government. I don't know if they're gonna have an open war on Bitcoin, making Bitcoin illegal, like smoking a plant has is still illegal, you know, in yeah, half the country. Some plate we were just talking you, our last guest. You know who's making it uh, pretty much illegal? Who? China just uh, accumulated twelve dozen uh, blockchain patents. They're making their own Bitcoin in China, so one billion people aren't gonna be part of Bitcoin. You know they'll ban it. Yeah, they're making their own Bitcoin. China's interesting, out. dude. They, China don't give they're a trying fuck. to they, do all this shit, but then like you go there, like oh, they censor the internet, and then everyone gets a VPN, and you're good to go. Yeah, that's the Chinese, though. I mean, they don't have any clue of how to think outside the box. Yeah, they just copy. Y'all, you're doing this. I'll do this. Yep, that's all they do, dude. That's yeah. all they do. They're just copying. So the it's same just shit. like when everyone's like, if we got into war, who'd win? dude? We like they, they can't think outside the box. But um, so the price got, was up to twenty thousand, and that went back down to three thousand dollars. What affected that? Who decided that now? Oh, it's this price. That makes me nervous because even though I do think the stock market is a Ponzi scheme that's ran by uh, rich bankers who play tricks on us, you know, and they're just like. They just do stuff to affect it. Once the everybody's making money, they'll come in, they'll say something. Oh, this isn't going well. Everybody sells. They come in, they buy it up. And it's just what they do. So who decided that Bitcoin was worth 20000 and then suddenly now it's worth 3000 Well, no, nobody really. It, it is very similar to the stock market. And um, I have a slightly different view on that. It's basically traders. It's people that buy it and sell it. And sure, when big money comes in, it can uh, bring it all the way up. And if big money shows up and they buy a bunch of Bitcoin, they want to slam it and crash the market. Uh, the, the value of a Bitcoin going up and down is no different than the value of any given stock going up and down. Um, Apple stock took a big hit uh, in the last couple of months. You know, they announced their sales weren't very good and a lot of sell sellers panic sold. And that's what happens. Uh, people were buying up Bitcoin a lot in 2016 and 17, and the price rose to very, very high levels. Probably way obvious in hindsight, it's obviously way higher than it should have been. I, I my podcast actually covers the price of Bitcoin all the time. I was a trader. I still am a trader. I just don't have much time for it these days with my travel and speaking schedule. But um, the moment Bitcoin broke $7,000 last year. I started to become very, very nervous because I knew the higher things go, if you overshoot to the upside in price, you're going to overshoot to the downside in price. And all those stories from, you know, back in the day of how to spot a bubble are true. It's like, hey, when your shoe salesman or, you know, when your taxi driver starts talking about the latest IPO, it's time to get out of the market. I had the same incident, you know, when my, uh, well, I don't have much hair now. But uh, about a year and a half ago, I still thought I had hair. Uh, so when my barber started asking me to buy a Bitcoin from me at like $16,000 a Bitcoin, I'm like, you know what? This is a problem. Uh, and uh, we corrected. Um, I talked my barber out of buying an entire Bitcoin. I, only, I talked him into only buying half a Bitcoin. And I told him to buy the other half later. So I haven't actually told him yet when to buy the other half back. Uh, but, uh, but I've been paying him for my haircuts now. By the way, I've never taken uh, such good hair. Good, uh, I've never taken such good care of my hair until after I shaved it, because now I have to go there like every other week and yeah. uh, you know have it have, have it perfect and like get the beard trimmed. Now didn't have a beard before. I'm like, man, if I'm gonna shave my head, I have to start growing a, a little bit of a beard here. And uh, you look I good, him, dude. You look good, buddy. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, so I pay him for my haircuts in Bitcoin now. You know, twenty, thirty bucks at a time, and that's how he gets to accumulate. And you know what? If I show up there every once every couple of weeks and I pay him, you know, twenty, thirty dollars worth of Bitcoin every time, and it's just one haircut out of the week, uh, the year is gonna end. Next thing you know, he's got that full Bitcoin. And if he sits on it a couple of more years, I'm expecting Bitcoin to break twenty thousand in the future. 
Uh, I'm still a full believer, and I think it's going to go even higher. I think it's going to scale amazingly well. There's lots of beautiful applications that are coming. Like you'll be able to, I couldn't do it this time, but I mean, uh, imagine a world where you're paying for so easily for like a single movie or a single show, or you're listening to a podcast and you're watch, or you're watching some kind of a live stream and you're paying for that live stream for every 20 or 30 seconds that you watch it. And if you don't like that movie and you stopped watching it 20 seconds in, then you only paid for watching it for 20 seconds or uh, for the first 20 minutes. You're like, hey, you know what? I, I don't wanna watch the rest of this movie. Why am I paying for the rest of this movie? And we can see something like that in the future uh, with Bitcoin, with these micropayments that are you know, a few like pennies or fractions of a penny. And that's the kind of applications that are coming. Sounds so interesting, right? So who is cyber cypherpunk? Is that who it is? Cypherpunk? Cyberpunk? So cypherpunk is a general name for uh, coders and developers that are on this privacy, anti-government uh, coding technology. So cypherpunks are people that brought us encryption. Uh, so the uh, so the concept of PGP encryption and things like VPNs and uh, these kinds of tools. Uh, so the people that think ahead and try to prevent the government from, you know, watching everything we do and uh, censoring everything we do and have full control of technology. Cypherpunks are the ones that are trying to bring technology to the world that fights that. Okay, so they're just like what? Like um they are sound like anonymous. anonymous. To me. Yeah, they sound like anonymous. Bitcoin, so they've been talking about this forever and then do you think they invented it? Um well, it's not that's the thing. Uh yes, and uh it's not even they. It's like if you are there there's two types of hackers, right? You have white hackers, uh white hat hackers and black hat hackers. So the difference is is that some hackers are hacking computers to do malicious things and other hackers are hacking to do uh, like good things, right? So a lot of, uh, so cypherpunks are on that white hat side of things. And yes, so the first uh, group of people that Satoshi Nakamoto emailed the paper of Bitcoin to was a mailing list known as the cypherpunk, uh, cypherpunk mailing uh, I can't even pronounce the word. Uh, cypherpunk mailing list, right? So there's a mailing list where people that consider themselves um, cypherpunks, uh, they're on an email list. It's a very private email. There's lots of encryption there. And these are the people that try to solve these problems. Uh, the, the problem that Bitcoin solved, uh, this concept of proof of work and double spending, I mean, these guys have been emailing back and forth for 10 years prior to Bitcoin's creation, trying to come up with a solution for the problem until Satoshi Nakamoto did it. And because Satoshi Nakamoto solved the problem and he solved the problem by showing the solution as potential money that the government can't control, uh, Satoshi, whether it's a person or a group of or these- Or AI, microphones. could it be AI? No, AIs are not that smart. Um, AI is just a computer algorithm that for now does what you told it to do. Um, we don't really have uh, AIs yet that have you know consciousness and thought. Oh, uh, so at the moment, AI is just a computer algorithm. It's just uh, very, very complicated and can, and can think. It, it can like solve your problem, but it can't think independently. That's crazy. It will. It will. Oh, it's getting, oh, they're it's, trying it their will. hardest. It, it'll get Apparently, there. Apparently, they don't watch... Fucking Terminator movies. <laughs> the chi- they did something on like uh, 60 Minutes. This guy, it's like, dude, they're going to take 40% of the job. Like, why are you making this? I just like, we don't, it just seems like a bad idea. But well, I guess- no, no, no. I mean, like, no, no, no. J- J- Japan is front of the line. The, the first thing they're using it for is like sex robots, man. That's uh, a lot of money there, man. That, that's well, dude, starts. I'm for that. We need to start, stop making people. We need to stop making <laughs> yep. people. We need less people on the 405. There's too many people. And now they got, they're trying to make male robots. Have you seen that male sex robots with no. unstoppable penises, they say? 
Like just power fuckers? They already got fucking vibrator shit that's connected oh, yeah. to the wall. They yeah. don't need I anything mean, else. Oh, yeah. Dude, you want, you want to talk about using electricity. When they what? get male fuck robots, <laughs> women's fucking electricity bills are going up. So real quick, tell us, tell us about your conference again. And uh, if case people, they, if they're in... I was supposed to be in Vegas for this weekend, too. It's so funny. I would have been there. It's very interesting. You're doing it now. Isn't that during the um, AVN Awards? Yeah, that was uh, terrible. Well, it uh, depends if it's terrible timing or good timing. Um, I know the hotel Great prices timing. went through the roof here. Yeah, um, yeah it's during AVN. Um, I wanted to do it. I, oh, man, it was like a, almost a total fail. So I really thought that Vegas would be a lot warmer in January. I I did not expect this. It's kind of chilly here, man. It's desert, and it's like I, 50 degrees on a yeah. good day right now. Yeah. And uh, Hard nipples. Yeah, so <laughs> I wanted to do it in like January, but I didn't want to conflict with football. So, I mean, we just had some good games this past weekend. He got the Super Bowl next weekend. And because of my travel schedule, I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to avoid all like major sporting events. So I did it the week, the, the Pro Bowl week, the week in between the Super Bowl and uh, the divisional series. And I, I didn't find out till after I announced my date that it was also AVN. Uh, but hey, it's cool. Uh, maybe some of them will come over and learn about Bitcoin. Uh, maybe some of them already have Bitcoin. Hey, dude, so here's your great. business, dude. But webcams are paying Bitcoin. Bam. Damn. Hey, but I do have a question oh, for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, there are. There, there are, uh, you know, webcam sites that are Bitcoin only even. Um, I know there is one, and uh, it's called um, Exotica, uh, and uh, they're <laughs> Bitcoin only. You can only use it with Bitcoin, and it's totally anonymous. I mean, you don't have to register. No one has to know your name. You don't have to put in a credit card. You can just use Bitcoin. Have you heard about the porn Website that like pays you in Bitcoin to watch porn, like you get paid to watch porn. No, yeah, I would be a billionaire. Yeah, I'd have three computers running. Right, at once. I would, dude. <laughs> then you have proof proof of concept. You, you got to show yourself watching. Up, porn. So I got a question from if someone's trying to invest. I'm, I'm sure they got ads. I'm sure they. I'm sure to put ads in the middle. They have to make money somehow. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So wait up. I have a question. If uh. If you're trying to invest into Bitcoin and you make a little bit above minimum wage, what would you recommend as a good a good price range to like start off? How can we get a uh, yeah. a, a Mexican, not anyone we're thinking of, just a random Mexican, <laughs> yeah. to be able to get some Bitcoin? Well, that's the thing. If Do you, you have were, flea market if, Bitcoin? <laughs> Is there a swap me for it? <laughs> little swap me Bitcoin. I, I do recommend that people put in, you know, very carefully. Like I wouldn't put in more than, let's say, 10% of your paycheck into Bitcoin. Um, a good way, if you're not trying to time the market, I think uh, Bitcoin will bottom in price sometime this year. So anywhere around this price or lower, if you're going to just throw in 10% of your paycheck, that's not a bad idea. Now, you don't want to pay a crazy rate. There are Bitcoin ATM machines all over the place. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find ATM machines in L.A. as well. Uh, but they do charge you a pretty hefty uh, percent, and they probably are going to want to scan your driver's license before you buy it. Uh, not, not the most ideal situation, but it is a way to get Bitcoin. Uh, the easiest way is the next time someone offers to pay you in Bitcoin for something, just take it. Like, again, I pay my barber in Bitcoin. I pay a couple of the people at the farmer's market where I do my uh, you know, grocery shopping. So you're saying uh, I, should, I should download this app and just get a wallet? Yeah, so there's a lot of wallets out there. You want to be uh, a little bit careful as to what wallet you download to store that Bitcoin. But if you have some kind of a product or a service that you offer and um, – Someone is willing to pay you in Bitcoin, just take it. Uh, that's the simplest way to get a little bit of Bitcoin slowly at random periods of time. Or another good way that I recommend, you know, check out, see if there's any Bitcoin meetups in your area. You know, go learn a little bit about it. And almost always someone at that meetup will sell you $20 worth of Bitcoin, $30 worth of Bitcoin. And uh, if you have the right wallet in your phone, Bitcoin is really like they can't give you fake Bitcoin. It's not like someone can give you a fake $100 bill and you will have no idea. But if you, as long as you have the right wallet in your phone and someone like hit send button and your phone beeps three seconds later saying you're receiving Bitcoin, 
that's it. There's no counterfeit. There's no fakes. Uh, that's no how tax. the system has functioned. There's and that's no, why it's trusted. Yeah, there's no holding. That's a big reason for there's it's no like cocaine cuts in out it. the uh, cuts. Out, that's be so funny if you buy coke with Trent. So somewhere on the ledger says Sam Tripoli purchase cocaine. And that's for the rest of the time. On the chain block, yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> uh, if they want to buy tickets to your event, where would they go? Sure, uh, just head on over to unconfiscatable.com or my website tonevase.com. I'm pretty much tonevase everywhere. Tonevase.com, tonevase YouTube channel, tonevase on Twitter. V A S E or Y S Y So it's a T O N E. Uh, and V-A-Y-S for the last name. and Or you can just go Tone Bitcoin. I actually started out as DJ Tone when I was at a college radio like <laughs> yeah. years there ago. There we go. There and, uh, we the go. Name, the name transitioned. And uh, yeah, also the audio podcast, again, Tone Vase Podcast. I started out with like other companies, but now I just started branding my own name. Uh, kind of like a Joe Rogan. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Hey, just, it's the name. I have a, you gotta put I have your a name unique in it, name. Dude. I have a globally unique name. Got to brand the name. That's what you got to do, dude. You're doing it. Look I, at you, I like man. it. Well, dude, Tone, I can't thank you enough for coming on. If you ever do make it in L.A., I'll come to the comedy store and hang out. And I'd love to talk more. I'll probably hit you up and figure out how to buy one. Can you buy a Bitcoin for somebody else? Can I be like, I'm yeah. buying this and giving it to? I could just send it to them? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, like once you download, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll throw a couple of names of wallets out there. Uh, I like Samurai Wallet. If you have an Android, it's not on iOS. Um, if uh, Green Address and Green Bits, it's from the same uh, creator. Uh, those are decent wallets. I like Airbits for its utility, for its ease of use. It's one of the simpler. It's one of the easiest to use one. Uh, but it's uh, it's not a true Bitcoin wallet. It has other cryptos on it as well, which uh-huh. I the part that I don't like. So uh, once you get one of those wallets, um, yeah, I'm happy to like send you, you know, 20, 30 bucks worth of Bitcoin so Look you can get you, started and uh, play around with that. That's not an issue at all. And yeah, you can totally buy it from another person. And uh, that's where Bitcoin meetups come in handy. Uh, usually people go there and try to sell uh, especially people that earn their living in Bitcoin. I mean, they end up selling. Uh, so there you go. All right, man. Tone, you're the man. Appreciate you coming on. Good luck with your weekend. Enjoy those porn stars. Some of them are my friends, <laughs> and they're uh, they're fun to hang out with. Let's just say that. You guys are the best. Appreciate everybody. Hope to see you in uh, in uh, Minnesota, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Everybody, take care.